Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. um, Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave to him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Amen. Um, I'm just going to pray quickly for Neil before he comes up to speak to us. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much that we're all gathered here today for a reason. And we thank you so much for Neil and that you've brought him here safely uh, to share with us what you want to say to us, Father. And we just pray that your peace would wash over him as he comes up to speak and that your spirit would just work through him, Father. And Lord, I just pray that our hearts would be receptive to what you have to say to us. Um, May you just speak to us so individually and may your truth just settle into our hearts, our minds and our souls. And would we be encouraged to bring us, bring what we hear from you into the week ahead and uh, for days to come after that, Lord. Um, And may we be encouraged to know that uh, you are coming, Lord, and you are making all things new. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Guys, great to be with you. Um, If we haven't met, uh, please do come say hi afterwards. I'd love to say hello. My name is Neil. Um, I go to uh, Christ City Church South in Slorgan, so it's lovely to be with you guys and get to open the Bible together. Uh, If you do have your Bible there, look at Malachi chapter 4, last bit of the Old Testament, which uh, is is significant, Um, but uh, we're going to look at Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. But before we get into it, um, you see there's a picture of a diary planner up there. Does anybody actually use a written paper diary anymore? Am I really old-fashioned? I keep, thank you, yes, feel, feel the love, thank you very much. I don't do the phone diary thing. I have like a piece of paper and I write stuff in. But um, we all have days coming, days coming in the future that we, we expect and we have good reason to think these will very likely happen. You know, at Christmas, you know, at birthdays, matches. Mm-hmm going food shopping, things like that. These things will happen. It is a fair bet to say these things will happen. And then we have those days that we know full well will happen, but we pretend they won't. You know, exams. And um, when the big bills are coming and you think, oh, and you should be saving for that. We know that day's coming, but ah, I'd be fine. Um, dentist appointments, things like that. You know, we know full well that these things are coming, but yeah, yeah. So we look ahead. We all do it. We all look ahead. And the more sure we are, the more sure we are that something is going to happen, And the more important it is to us, the more we're going to live in light of us. It will affect how we live. And and that is what's going on in Malachi chapter 4. God wants to give his people, as it says there on the screen, a sure hope for the future so that they will live faithfully, so that we will live faithfully in the present. 
So he's telling us something that's going to happen. But first, what has been happening in chapters 1 to 3 of Malachi? Uh, we've been doing a whole series on it as a church. Israel is in a bit of a rut, a bit, a bit, meh. A bit, you know, when they have those days, I was talking to someone beforehand, and she said, the last few days, and I totally feel it, or just a bit, eh. You know, when you feel like that in life, when things are not maybe going so amazing, it's not the mountaintop moments. And for Israel, God's people, it just seems like everybody else is getting by just as well, in fact, better than they are. And in their hearts, they're, bit, they're grumbling a bit. They're saying things like, God, if, it, God, if you love us, why... Why is it not great for us and really good for them? Why is all this is happening? And that discontent in their hearts, it leads to compromise. They sin, they, uh, they worship other gods, they, they neglect and they disobey God's law and God isn't pleased. Um, now, it's a very personal thing to start talking about. So I think it's important to mention right at the start that compromise is not always the reason for maybe feeling a bit low or a bit... Um, a bit low in your relationship with God, a bit mund- when things feel a bit mundane. Compromise is not always the reason for that. This is a broken world, and as God's people, we will feel it more than others because of the Holy Spirit, and God will grieve things inside you that you will come across and that you will see, and we will go through hard times, and relating to God in hard times is going to be, is a little bit harder, it's difficult, and until we see God face to face, we're really never as we're in the place that we're made for. But that being said, what happened to Israel, looking around and compromising, uh, can happen to us too. That can happen to us too. Faith can feel mundane, uh, especially when the future feels a bit uncertain or a bit far away. Um, It can feel a bit, oh, what's going on? And people who don't believe in God around us just seem to be having a great time and everything seems to be going really well for them. And it's easy then at that point to give the devil a foothold, uh, just to tolerate a little bit of something in our lives that we shouldn't, and then more and more it pushes itself in, and before you know it, we have an awful lot of unfaithfulness going on in our lives. We won't necessarily have the self-awareness to track that, how we felt about things, our circumstances led to our decisions that led to our feelings of mundane, but uh, we might not feel anything, in fact. But whether we feel anything, whether we feel mundane or not, being ensnared by sin is not the life that Jesus came to give us. You know, uh, one of the I am's that Jesus had, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So being entrapped by sin is not the life that Jesus came to give us. God wants his people to have life in his name. So we look at Malachi because as we do, we'll see that God knows, that God is concerned, and that God acts. He does something to bring his people back to him and to give them a heart that rejoices in his tender care. That's what he's going to do. But how is he going to do that? Three things he's going to do. Number one, he's going to tell them what's coming in the future. Number two, he's going to heal their hearts. And number three, he's going to tell them where to look to find life in his name. So, first thing he does. He tells his people what's coming in the future. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. So here, what is God doing? He is giving a deafness. I talk, we talked about things that, oh, things that might happen in the future. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Here, God is giving a deafness. He says, surely the day is coming. He's giving advanced notice. Something is going to happen in the future. And on this day in the future, everything is going to change. It's known as the day of judgment or the day of the Lord. And on this day, God himself will come and he will make everything wrong right. 
He will wipe away everything that is against him, and all evil will be destroyed. So that's going to be a big day. So I only started, this is me, I only started using um, a razor, you know, for shaving. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I only started using a razor about two years ago. And people think, well, Neil, where was the beard then? You know? And I said, no, no, I used an electric one before that. You know, the ones you have to put batteries into? And the reason I did that is because I was afraid of cutting myself. You know, I just thought, oh gosh, you know, how can you drag this knife across your face? You know, it'll just, I'll be bleeding guts. I'll, I'll, I'll tear my throat out. But then uh, during the pandemic, brave boy that I was, I thought, you know, I'll give it a go. I'll take on a pandemic project. I will, I will learn to use a razor and wet shave. And if, if it all goes horribly wrong, nobody's going to know. So, you know, here we are on day one. <laughs> here we go. And, you know, I think not bad for a first effort. You know, it's all right. <laughs> Didn't do the best job in the whole wide world, but decided I would give it a go. So, <laughs> why am I showing you that? Because like using a razor, uh, God's judgment is sharp. Uh, it's meant to get your concentration. Uh, it's meant to get your focus. You might find God's judgment a difficult subject uh, to think about. Maybe you're even offended by it. And you know, I get that. A lot of the imagery here fires and furnaces and skulls being crushed, has been wrongly used to enforce people's obedience through fear alone. And that is all it has, that's all it has been used for. And while, yes, the day, of God, the, the day that God is describing here is final and it is unstoppable, it is also good news if you are weary if from the apparent prosperity of evil. Like things like war. I mean, how long is war going to go on for? It never seems to stop. And greed or crime and abuse. You can't even turn on the news anymore without every day. It seems like there is something. Does that make you just weary of it? Or if you're frustrated by your own sin and you think, why do I keep doing these things? And when you see injustice either out there or closer to home and you're powerless to do anything about it, or what about when other people sin against you and you're hurt by it and you carry it to some extent? Are you going to be that way forever? No. And is the world going to be like this forever? No, it's not. But first, God is wanting us to get a look around us and then to look within us and to come to the conclusion, as Jesus later told us, he said that it was out of the heart that evil things come. It's not just everywhere and everyone else out there. It's all of us. It's us too. So this is sharp. It is important that we listen. Because, God, because, without, because, because the day is coming, and without God doing something, no one, none of us, is going to be able to stand on that day. Like anything you toss into a furnace, evil will be turned to ashes, it says. Now, if you carry past hurt, the good news is, is that that one day that will go away. That, that, will not be, that will not be in you anymore. This, so this day coming can be a great comfort. But when we also look inward, it's not quite so easy to admit that we're guilty. Our pride can make us very forgetful. Our pride can make us forget that we have done wrong against others, and in particular that we've done wrong, wrong against God. We might even be unaware of what we've done. And it says here that one day he will cut off every evildoer. They will be like stubble. And unlike hair, there'll be no coming back this time, because it says in, uh, in, verse, in verse 1, 
at the end there, not a root, not a root or a branch will be left to them. So whenever something seems to get better for a while, and you know, then a little while later it comes back, or it comes back in a different form, or something bad happens again, you think, how does this just keep coming back? One day the roots will be gone, and there will be no coming back for evil. And we know this day to come hasn't happened yet, because we still see arrogance and evil in the world, outside us and within us. We still groan when something evil happens, and it seems to return. And when that ha- it's very easy to despair when that happens. Um, and then you think to yourself, is this ever going to stop? Well, in 2 Peter, in the New Testament, chapter 3, verse 8 to 9, Peter says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. So God is not doing nothing. might feel that way sometimes. That's how it felt for Israel, but God is not doing nothing. One day he will say, time's up. So what's he waiting for? Up here. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So what's God doing? He's waiting patiently for people to come to repentance. Or as Malachi chapter 4 said, he is verse 2, he is delaying, he is waiting in order to give people time to revere his name, is the word that it uses in Malachi chapter 4. What does that mean? It means to call on his name. It means to come and to believe in him, to be saved from the evil that we have in our hearts. And if you're not a Christian, maybe that includes you. Do you see evil around you and within you and just long for justice or for peace? And you think, is this going to keep going on forever? It won't. And God is waiting Are you one of those people that he's waiting for? Talking about judgment might cause us to think about people we know who don't believe. We all have friends and family we love and care about who don't believe this, don't believe in God. What about them? Because this is final. But you know, God is warning Israel of what's going to happen because he cares about those people more than we do. And I care about people like that that are near to me an awful lot and God cares even more. You know, they put warning signs ahead of dangerous cliffs to give you time to act and do something. God knows who his people are. Some of them have not yet come to faith. Some of them may not have even been born yet. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. Who knows when the day is going to be? But the day will come when he has brought all his people to faith. But for that to happen, for people to be saved, we need the evil in our hearts to be dealt with. Remember we said it's not just everybody else, it's, it's everyone, everyone who would not be able to stand on this day. So we need the evil in our hearts to be dealt with. Israel needed their evil in their hearts to be dealt with. So how is that going to happen? With the second thing, he's going to heal their hearts. The second thing that God does, in verse 2, it says that those who revere his name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. Now, if you have a look at those verses on the screen, there, those words on the screen there, the spelling is interesting. What is God talking about? The actual sun. You know, it says S-U-N, sun, not S-O-N, S-U-N. Now, a bit of sunshine would be lovely, wouldn't it? But um, especially in Ireland. But he's not actually talking. Malachi, God, is not talking about the actual sun. But in the same way that the rays of the sun give life on the earth, in the same way, if we got too close to the sun, we would die. So this son of righteousness that is coming, the son of righteousness is about power. It's very powerful, whatever it is. It's got the promise of life and protection. So for those who revere God's name, 
this son of righteousness is a game changer. Those who trust in God, the son of righteousness is going to make it, it is God's way of dealing with our sin and our evil in our hearts. That's why this is really important. Now, because we have the rest of the Bible, you guys can probably figure out with me what this is talking about. From the, the details here in verse two, this son will bring healing, this son is righteous, and this son will rise. You guys think you know who that is? Well, let me give you a few more hints. When um, a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years came up to Jesus and reached out to touch Jesus' robe, and she said, uh, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. And she was. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So there's healing. Um, dying on the cross, Peter said about Jesus who was dying on the cross that what was happening was that Christ died for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And of course, after dying on the cross, Jesus rose just like the sun rose. So this son of righteousness that God is promising in Malachi chapter four, of course it's Jesus. Uh, Jesus who said of himself, isn't this verse amazing and beautiful? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Of course, of course, Jesus is this son of righteousness that Malachi was talking about. He can save us uh, from, the, from the day of judgment. All we have to do is to revere God's name. And what does that look like? God has already shown Israel a little bit what that looks like. We did this last week in Malachi chapter 3. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will see again the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. To, to revere God's name is more than just being polite, is, is more than just uh, being respectful. To revere God's name is to turn from going our own way, from our own sins, from our own evil in our hearts, and trusting in the way in which God has made to deal with it, which is the son of righteousness, which is Jesus. And Jesus will heal us. Now, not necessarily, not necessarily physical healing, maybe, but when it says Jesus will heal us, it means Jesus will give us his righteousness and take our unrighteousness on himself on the cross. Then not only will we stand on the day of judgment, but in Malachi in verse 3, it says, um, in verse 2 there, sorry, it says, you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. So you can imagine a farmer who has cows and he keeps them in the barn during the winter and he feeds them, he keeps them warm, and then in the spring they get to go outside and they frolic. Verse 2 is a picture for us of assurance. It's a picture of joy and peace. It's telling you that God is a father, God is a shepherd. He is powerful and he will care for those who trust in him. And what seems to dominate now Whatever seems to dominate now will be brought low. As verse three says, you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Some of you uh, might have seen a movie called um, Terminator. Anyone seen us? Quite right too, it's an 18. So I'm sure you haven't seen us, of course not. Bless your eyes. But no, no one's seen us? Anyone seen it? It's a classic. Anyway, a couple of people have seen it. Great, great. Okay, I'll tell you about it then because it's a classic, right? It's, it's very famous for this opening shot of this machine foot. It's a robot, right? I know, I've got you hooked already, right? It's this, this, this machine that tramples on the skull of a human being at the start of the film. And you're going, oh gosh, what's happened? This is awful. Anyway, then John Connor, the hero, travels back in time and prevents the whole thing from happening. But um, it, remind, it came into my mind because verse 3 is quite a dark image. You will, you, will, you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet. And what's really important to understand about verse 3, though, is that it's not Terminator because it's not a strut in triumph. We don't bring judgment on other people. 
We can and we should warn other people. But it, verse 3 makes it very clear. It is God who acts on the day to come. And as we've already seen, none of us could stand. No, none of us could stand on the day to come except for Jesus. Still, verse 3 is a warning. It's a warning that judgment is coming, that evil will be wiped away, which would include everyone. But God has made a way to be saved. Now, that way hasn't come yet by the time of Malachi. They have no idea that the son of righteousness is Jesus, that that's his name. But they're still called to revere, to revere God's name. They're still called to have faith that he will make a way. But it's going to be a while for them. So what are they going to do when faith feels mundane, when everyone else seems to be getting on really well, and they sort of just feel a bit meh about everything? What are they supposed to do in that situation? Basically, it's important where they look. A point that I was brought home to me very powerfully once when a friend of mine said to me, Neil, do you want to go mountain biking? Does anyone know what that is? I did not know what mountain biking was, so I just Googled it. And I got this picture on, on Google um, of these two people enjoying a lovely bike ride next to a lovely flat path next to a beautiful lake in, with a lovely mountain in the background, Switzerland or something. It looked lovely. And I thought, oh, Okay, mountain biking, sure, I will give that a go. Yeah, turns out that's not mountain biking at all. Um, if you don't know what it is, mountain biking is a bit like a roller coaster of dirt and rocks and trees, and there's no seatbelt, and you just hold on for dear life, and it's like that. It's really, was very, very scary, very frightening. Um, never again. But when I arrived, I was told these two rules for mountain biking, both of which I couldn't even, could barely even listen. I was so, so stressed. But there were two rules of mountain biking that I didn't follow. Uh, rule number one, when you go over a bump, you're meant to stand up on your pedals or you're going to get a very sore bum. All right? Okay, you're all, some of you are aware of this. Uh, rule number two, uh, look where you're going. Look where you're going. If you look at a tree, you're going to hit a tree. And I did. Uh, should have listened. For God's people, it matters very much where we look where we look to, um, who we listen to, because we need to constantly be reminded of where we're going. It's going to define how, how they live. It's going to define how we live. For Israel, it's going to be a bit of a wait, as we said, for the Son of Righteousness to come. This is the end of the, the way we order the Old Testament, but still, it's the last of the prophets of the Old Testament. There is going to be 400 years before anything else um, new is added, comes, anything new comes along. It's a bit like a cliffhanger ending then, is what we're, what we're what we're looking at today. And so the last verse there, Malachi 4.4, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. He's talking about Moses, when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. He's basically, God is basically telling his people, remember who you are, uh, that they're his people and they're supposed to be faithful to his words. Uh, that's what he called them to do on the mountain and that, uh, when they gave it to Moses and that's what he's calling them to do at the end of Malachi remember who they are and be faithful um, but he makes them a promise Malachi 4 verse 5 and 6 he says see I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day the Lord comes he will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction and that's a bit odd because Elijah has been dead for a long time even by Malachi's day so when he says, I will send the prophet Elijah, people are going, really? He's dead. He's dead, lads. What's going on there? He means one like Elijah is going to come. Someone who did the same thing that Elijah did. A prophet from God who will teach God's word. And you know, it is amazing. When God's word is taught, hearts change. 
We will never persuade someone into the kingdom of God with coffee and donuts, nice as that is. It is going to be always through the teaching of God's word. And that's what Elijah, the, the new Elijah, was going to do for Israel. Any, anyone and anyone who would believe, that's why it says children and parents. It doesn't mean that children are all of a sudden going to become very respectful. It means that young and the old, anyone and everyone who would believe will come to believe. Their hearts will be, will be turned towards God by the preaching of this prophet to come, who turned out to be John the Baptist. And he came. John the Baptist came. He preached the repentance of sin. He got Israel ready for Jesus, who did come. The son of righteousness did come. But he didn't come as a judge. He came as a savior. He, gave us, he came to give us time to repent. I know for us, it feels like it's, that was a long time ago, 2,000 plus years ago. But remember, with the Lord, a day is like 1,000 years, 1,000 years is like a day. So for God, it's actually only been, what, two and a half days? So... Not that you're supposed to take that literally, but, you know, for us, it feels like it was ages ago, but for God, it's actually, from his perspective, it's really not. And when Jesus will come again, this time it won't be coming in weakness and humility. This time he won't be coming as a, as a mild, mild carpenter who's a humble servant. The second coming of Jesus, he will come as a judge and as a king. He will save those that belong to him, and, his, and he will judge others who still have the evil in their hearts, their sin on themselves. He will come in glory and in power, and there will be no earthly rulers left because he will be the ruler. He is the king. He'll be the lord of the whole world, and he will wash the world clean of, is, of, of, of evil. He will wash the world clean of evil. So like Israel, for Christians today, it can sometimes really feel like we're waiting, like we're waiting. We see evil prospering day after day. We just, here we are, another orbit around the old sun, and life goes on as it has. The other day I was walking through the city. I was thinking about this passage, and I just thought, it just goes on and on and on, and we live and we die, and is, this, is that just all it is? Does it just keep going on and on and on? And we think, you know, gosh, look at everyone else. They're having such a great life. Look at what they're doing. They, they don't even have to think about this stuff. We feel temptation. It's such a lot of effort to, 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 to be obedient. We think, well, we're missing out. Scoffers come. They follow their own evil desires. They say things like this. Maybe not word for word, but this is kind of the attitude of our age, of, the, of every age. Where is this coming, he promised that God promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Well, when that happens, we're called to remember that who, who we are, that we are God's people. And we're not just God's people in the way that Israel was God's people. Because when you're a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit, and that means that God is in you and you're in him. You are a, if you're a Christian, you are a part of Jesus's body. You're not just a name on a list of attendees or members. You are a part of him and he of you. He is in you. So when we feel those things, when life feels mundane, when it's really hard, remember not just that you're one of God's people, but that you're in Christ. And that is who you are. We have the privilege of knowing who the son of righteousness is. And if you have trusted in him, be assured that you are totally and completely saved by Jesus. Even on your worst day. And until he comes again, yeah, you know, we will battle sin and temptation. But it's our old nature that's doing that. That's, 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 that's disobeying God that's doing those things. It's from our old hearts. And we're called to be faithful. You know, you will never regret fighting sin. You'll never go, you know, sometimes you do something, and you think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? You'll never go, oh, why did I resist that? That was a waste of time. You'll never do that. You'll never do that. 
um, because it called to be faithful. So whatever it is, if there's anything, guys, that has its hooks in your heart and nobody knows, or you've glossed over it with people and you've given a kind of a PG version of exactly what has its hooks in your heart, whether it's pornography or, I don't know, alcoholism, drunkenness, greed, unforgiveness, just whatever. There's a long list. I hate making a list because you miss something and people think that doesn't... If anything has its hooks in your heart and you know it, it's not a harmless distraction. It will, tell you, it will tell you that's what it is. It's a harmless distraction from struggle. It's not. What it's actually doing is it's subtly, very subtly, shifting your focus away from Jesus. It's shoving. It's like, do you ever try to move a big, heavy piano across a room? You do it a bit at a time. You don't just push it in one go. Sin and temptation, what it's doing is it's pushing you bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. Now, the good thing is, as I said, we're totally and completely forgiven by Jesus. But if, if our feelings about, about life turn into disobedience, it's just, it's not the life Jesus saved you to have. The way, the truth, and the life is in Jesus. So don't let sin lie to you and tell you that God is dull or that he's robbing you of the deep joy. He's not robbing you of anything. You can have deep joy in knowing him and his love for you. You're going to see injustice in the world and cry out, how long, oh Lord, is this going to go on for? But this time in this world, in this life, is not a waste of time and it's not a waiting room. It's a time of anticipation. God has so much in store for you. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, God has many good things prepared for those who love him. Those things will draw your heart more to Jesus until you just delight in him more and more, until you cannot wait to see him face to face. That is what this time is for. It's a time of sharing Jesus with people who you know and love, of praying that God would soften their hearts, that God's word would work powerfully in their lives, that they would trust in Jesus too. In uh, Peter again, he says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So, God has given us a future hope to help us live faithfully in the presence. Keep your eyes on Jesus, guys. Keep listening to his words. To know Jesus is to know the most amazing love. Nothing but Jesus will ever fulfill you. The alternative is like you are basically going to be a, spend your life being a hamster on a wheel. I want this, and by the time you get it, you'll want something else, and you're constantly going round and round and round and round and round and round. Now, it's really hard, because obviously we, God gives us things, and we can, they're not bad things to enjoy, but if, if they are what, what our identity is built on, if they're what our whole purpose in life is, you're going to find yourself like a hamster. Round and round and round and round and round and round, not even knowing that you're going round on this wheel. But to know Jesus is the most amazing love. He will fulfill you. Nothing else is going to satisfy you or give you the peace that you are longing for in your life because all those other things, they're not from, you know, you went and got them yourself. Jesus is, is God's gift to you. He is the son of righteousness who will rise with healing. That's what he has for you. And one day you will see his face. One day you will open your eyes and you will see him. And there will be peace and no more tears and no more pain. So we can look forward to the return of Jesus because through the cross, he has given us a new heart washed of sin. It might not feel like you have that all the time, but if you've trusted in Jesus, your heart has been washed of sin. You are forgiven. Those who don't trust in Jesus have a limited time before judgment comes. We don't know how long it's going to be. It could be tomorrow. It could be a long time from now. We don't know, but it will come. We do know it will come. So if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus, don't delay. Take that step of faith. And, and if you have, pray for people you know who don't yet know Jesus. Um, there is so much mercy and love, so much 
life and light in his name. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we pray um, as your people that you would lift our heads to see the return of Jesus and to long for that day. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would convince us in our hearts that we are, we are in Christ. We are his people. If we are carrying pain and hurts, if we grieve the things that we see in this world, uh, Jesus, would you just take us by the hand uh, afresh? You, you never let go, but would you just give us a fresh picture or a fresh image of that in our heads that, that we don't need to run and, to, and to, to run away. You're, you're running away from us. You've never let us go. You hold us by the hand. Like that little girl you raised from death to life, you took her by the hand and you take us by the hand. Uh, Father, we pray for those near and dear to us who don't uh, believe in you or don't know about you. Father, I just pray you'd soften their hearts that the love of Jesus and this forgiveness uh, would be so, so unmissable to them. Uh, we pray that you would give us the words to say or the invitation to give. Uh, we pray that many, many people in this city and in our families would come to know Jesus and that uh, we, would, we would be able to see your glory and your goodness at work in this world. Amen.